Social emotional learning, it's the new way. Where culturally responsive meets innovation. Hey, Dominators, my name is Kristen Hopkins, CEO and founder of Dangers of the Mind, a company that identifies the attacks against your everyday thought life that shifts major progress. I'm a social emotional learning expert, curriculum developer, and social entrepreneur who believes in the holistic development of youth and young adults through culturally responsive and culturally affirming resources. Welcome to Dangers of the Mind. Hey guys, and welcome back to the Dangers of the Mind podcast. So I'm super excited to get into this episode today because I never really talked about this topic publicly, although I have many private conversations about this topic with friends and families. So I have with me one of my best friends and the creative director of Dangers of the Mind. Hey, Damaris. Hey. I'm so excited she's with me so we can cut up on this podcast. Okay. Are y'all ready? So first and foremost, let me just brag on my girl, my friend, because she is well-educated. She received her bachelor's degree from the University of North Carolina at Greensboro with a BA in psychology with a minor in sociology. And then my girl said, I'm not done yet. I'm going to go pursue my master's degree at Savannah College of the Arts Design, better known as the prestigious SCAD University in advertising. So there's one big thing that's in common. First of all, first and foremost, let's just celebrate you for just Aww. going back and, you know, going forward with the master's right after the degree, because I know it was a lot and we're going to get into it. OK, so I want to talk about just the two common factors that are in both of these universities. So both of these schools are PWI and Damaris is Ganyan and of Mexican descent. So today's episode, we are talking about Black at a PWI. So let's get into it. So Damaris, I know that sometimes I personally feel that, you know, when we talking about our HBCUs and, you know, repping, you know, Dell State Rap from shout out Hornets, you know, and when we're repping our schools, Damaris sometimes gets a little, you know, she'd be like, I can't relate. And so she always has these moments where she's like, University of Greensboro, you know, like, in that tone. <laughs> well, how do you do it? I, I mean, University of North Carolina. At the University. Okay. Yeah. She's proud. She is proud. And we appreciate that. But we want to talk about her experience today. And all jokes aside, there's a lot of Black people that have, you know, went to PWIs and had wonderful experiences, and some of them didn't. And so we want to get into what that looks like. So this episode will be all about the PWI experience. So let's get into it. First question I wanted to talk to you about was what was the best experience at a PWI? And for those that do not know, a PWI is predominantly white institution. So tell me, Damaris, what was your experience like at a PWI? What was my experience? Like what was the best experience? The best experience was getting accepted. So that was the best experience, getting I mean, accepted. Yeah, those schools are hard, though. You talk about SCAD, you talk about University of Greensboro. Like, what was your GPA like? I mean, it wasn't a 4.0, <laughs> but I mean, I think I got in. Okay. Okay. And so why was that like getting accepted? Because I mean, when I think about my HBCU, like, I mean, I got in. So I got my acceptance letter pretty early in the game. Okay. But shout out to Delaware State. I really enjoyed that school. But like, why 
like, was it you getting accepted your best experience? Well, I mean, anybody who gets into any college or university, that's an accomplishment. Mm -hmm. So no matter what school you go to, first and foremost, like after high school, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people, especially today, don't, it's not a requirement like it used to be when we were coming up. I graduated in 2005. So I think a lot of the expectations that I had for school, I didn't have, like, I just kind of threw them out there and was like, well, I'm going to figure it out. I'm 18. I don't know what I want to do yet, but I know I'm going to just see what I can do. So I applied to like four different schools. All of them were PWIs, actually. And I got into UNCG. And I think it might have been, I was just happy to get accepted to college. Mm-hmm. Actually, I did apply to an HBCU. Um, and Which I did HBCU? Get, it's a school in St. Louis. Again, I... Aristotle University? No. Um, oh. I was about to say, how you know about these St. Louis schools? Listen, it was 2005, too. <laughs> I really just applied to a lot of schools just mm-hmm. to make sure that, like, I wanted to go to college, but I didn't know yeah. what to do yet. So when I got in, I was like, wow, I didn't think that I was going to get into the college university because my SAT scores weren't like the top. But it was specifically a PWI like that you didn't think you would get into. Right. Right. Well, and I also considered like I'm from North Carolina, so I didn't really know if I was prepared to leave the state at that Mm -hmm. time, too. So that was the only school in North Carolina that I applied to. And I felt most comfortable staying in state at that time. So. Yeah, that also swayed my like decision to go there. When I was applying for schools, I wasn't thinking about like white versus black at mm. that time. I went to a predominantly white high school as well. My church was predominantly black. So I feel like I got the best of both worlds. Mm. And so it wasn't really like high on my list of I want to go to all black school or all white school. I just wanted to go to school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> OK, so you get accepted. And you are a little bit like nervous, probably insecure a little bit because you're like, okay, I didn't think at first I was going to be qualified enough. Now they telling me I'm qualified. Who are they? You know what I'm saying? But I'm feeling qualified. And so it's your first day of school at this PWI. What is your initial feeling? Definitely excited. Pretty nervous. I'm an introvert by nature. So I'm not the one that's like out here introducing myself to strangers. (laughs) Hey, how you doing? I'm new. What's your name? Yeah. So it was very like nerve wracking, just kind of figuring out my space. And I was a biology major. Oh, wow. I I changed that two years ago. Real quick. Real quick. So there weren't a lot of black, you know, freshmen in the biology coming in with me. So I definitely identified with those people first and quickly. And kind of, I think naturally, when you see other black and brown people, you kind of just like, hey, what's up? We're one, you know? So just kind of like figuring out what that space looked like in those classes. And yeah, it was like kind of nerve wracking, but it was cool. Yeah, no. I mean, I always think about it, you know, I would never take it back my HBCU experience, but I always think about like, how would I be on campus at a PWI? And so I want to know how you feel your experience is from a PWI that you didn't get from an HBCU? Like what experiences that you had at a PWI that you feel like you couldn't get from HBCU? And also what experience that you feel like you didn't get from HBCU? So we can start with what you feel like you wouldn't have got from an HBCU. Definitely being around other Black and Brown people or just, I didn't get enough of, I think the... His, from a historical, like an African-American perspective, a lot of our classes, of course, like my African-American studies professor was Black. 
I'm saying, of course, just because that's what I expected, yeah. not saying that there's there are, you know, white African-American professors. Yeah. But only in African-American studies would I really get to dive into black history, African-American history. You know, outside conversations weren't necessarily centered around like our causes. Mm-hmm. We're 18, 19, 20 year old kids that are just on campus. So I do feel like I might have missed out on really diving into and understanding and appreciating Black history from an HBCU. But in, I guess, like the flip to that is I was able to experience and engage with all these other cultures. And it was diverse. It was predominantly white, but there were other people represented from other countries, other backgrounds, ethnicities. So I was able to, in each classroom setting, still engage with other people that aren't Black or not white, you know, so. Yeah. But I mean, how was that, though? Because do you feel like you had to dummy down your, like, vernacular, you know, how you talk? Do you had to, like, define your slang words? Like, how did you navigate that space? Mm. So I definitely feel like I had to not dummy down, but, of course, the slang that we speak Mm -hmm. culturally, like, we know some things or, like, words or ways to say things that is specific to the South or Black people in the South Mm -hmm. or um, Afro-Latina. So there might be things that we say that are like Latin influence that I would have to kind of explain if a white person was like, wait, what does that mean? (laughs) Or a lot of comments about, you know, my hair. We switch our hair up. That's what we do. We're natural. I'm natural. And we switch it up because we can. Mm -hmm. And that's what we do. Period. Period. Mm -hmm. A lot of times there would just always be conversation around that. Like, And that was one thing that I had to learn not to get upset about, but also to kind of share and explain. They don't know what happened with my hair. I look different from the last time I was in <laughs> class. So instead of me being like, why are you asking me this again? Let me just explain it to you. And then also kind of enlighten you on how I'm not offended, but it could be portrayed depending on the relationship with the person. But some people that I got close to, I would be comfortable like sharing, hey, this may or may not come off in the right way to someone else. That's not me. So I'm telling you this just because I'm teaching you from my experience, just as I expect you to teach me from your experience. I may have say things that culturally might not be appreciated. And I'm always open to learning. That's what diversity is about. That's so good. And so we're really going to pull out some SEL skills that Damaris displayed and learned in a PWI. But before that, I did not think about the hair thing. You know, I thought about more so the dialogue and the conversation, but I never really thought about the hair because when HBCU, I mean, we was getting block braids, we was getting sew-ins, we was, you know, $25, come upstairs, let me do your hair. And so we were always looking different and that is a Black woman's prerogative. So it was never something that I had to explain. And recently. When I got into this more, I guess, professional world with my career and I started speaking more, and that's not recently, it's probably three or four years ago, I started speaking more. This guy came up to me and he was like, every time I see you, you look different. And I like looked at him and I was like, but I'm the same person. You know what I'm saying? Like I made a joke, but it was really like, that was the first time that I ever navigated through that space to be like, how do I answer him? Like my hair is different, but I look the same. But I really do realize I look different when I have different hairstyles. So he probably wasn't trying to be funny, but I took offense to it because I was not in environments that 
kind of softly allowed me to understand how people would perceive me and how I needed to respond. So it kind of threw me off guard. So I'm just thinking about that. And that's like something that I wasn't prepared for, you know, as going to HBCU and getting dumped out to this real world and, you know, starting your career and somebody saying something like that, that immediately took offense to where you probably would have known exactly what to say because you've navigated that space before. So that's very interesting. So you talked about the HBCU as like understanding that you didn't have the biggest influence of like African-American culture because you're Ghanaian and Mexican. So that's not African-American. You know what I'm saying? It is. It's African-American. You live in America, but you still had to navigate this space between being African and being African-American. So you have these traditions in your home. And because I know you, I know that you have these beautiful traditions that's African. You have these beautiful traditions that's Mexican and excuse me, specifically Ghanaian and beautiful traditions as Mexican that you probably really didn't get a lot of the African-American like traditions, like the cookouts, you know what I'm saying? Like y'all might call it something else. So like, what was that something that you felt you truly missed from that HBC experience? And I mean, like for me, I know we were at the bands, like we had homecomings that was turned up. Like it was just a different experience. We walked to the calf and we'd be having people like, I got CDs, I got DVDs, you know, out of the truck. You know, it was the hood a little bit, you know, but it was like the hood with people that wanted to do better for themselves. So, you know, yeah, just let's talk about that for a little bit about like, what do you feel like you miss from that perspective? So that's a good question. So I got to experience the black experience because I, even though I'm Afro-Latina, the world doesn't see me as that. They Mm -hmm. see me as a black woman in the South. So it really doesn't matter what my ethnicity is to other people that see you, everything is kind of like your appearance is pretty much how people judge you. And that's always really going to be the case. So even like in elementary school and high school, we had like on state exams, you had to check your box for your ethnicity. And only till recently, they started adding variations, but I would always have to check other because there's Hispanic. I don't even think they had African, but it was very like white, black, Hispanic, maybe Pacific Islander. And I always, growing up, we're first-generation Americans. So even a lot of things that are Black culture, we taught my parents because we go to church with all predominantly Black youth. I was at cookouts because I identified as a Black young girl. I felt comfortable being my Black self, even though I'm Afro-Latina, I'm still a Black woman. So a lot of things we even had to teach my parents just in terms of like Black culture and how we experience it. But I do feel like it was a a responsibility for me to make sure people knew that I'm not just a Black woman, I'm an Afro-Latina, and I appreciate and celebrate and still promote like both sides of the Ghanaian culture, Mexican culture, and Southern Black American culture, because that's my experience that I've known growing up. So I think that I had, it was a blessing to kind of like experience all of these cultures and still like growing up, well, I guess I'm grown now, but with my friends that I'm around, the women and men that I'm around, they're very aware of just the Black experience. Most of the people that's in my inner circle, they're very educated and they have a lot of insight on not just our history, but like the progress that we need to take as a community. So I'm still learning a lot about Black history that we didn't celebrate certain, we didn't do certain things Mm -hmm. like for holidays or that's a part of African-American history. Yeah. So I'm always like, but my friends will invite me to certain things like after New Year's, mm-hmm. people do the black eye peas. <laughs> I just learned that, you know, and I'm like, that somebody was like, you didn't know that? I didn't. So like a lot of things, we didn't do that. It's not Mexican or West African culture. So I love even the diversity that differentiates African 
and African-American. So it's like everything has shaped me to be who I am. And all of these things, I still don't feel like I'm just one of these things. I'm all of these things. Yeah. And I make sure that I'm vocal about being Mexican, African, living in the South, because I'm not just one of those things. They all make me who I am. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Have you ever wondered what the Black student experience looked like in today's world? Who influences these experiences? And how are Black children truly feeling with the pressures of COVID? Join our Black SEL webinar on the Black student experience. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast. And I know that, you know, for some of the background of your dad, he's in social justice. Like he has a degree. Is it a PhD? Yeah. A PhD in social justice. And so I know like growing up, like that was a lot probably incorporated in your life, even though you might've not got that traditional African-American experience, you still knew what you were fighting for, you know, and or African-American people were fighting for in general. So that's awesome too. I want to touch on some really dope SEL skills that I think that I want to pull out of what you, from me hearing your experience, I really want to highlight some of these SEL skills that you developed in college, which I think is critical. And so the first one that stood out to me the most was social awareness. And just thinking about how you were able to develop these skills to be empathetic, to perspective take, you know, you were able to develop this common respect for someone, you know, and other people, you know, and then also really honing in on just how you are appreciating diversity. And it's important because when we look at going to an HBCU, you see all Black people. And yes, it's amazing to see Black people in Black spaces and they're learning and growing together. It's the most beautiful thing. But then you're dumped down to this real world where it's not just Black people in the world. And so you have to navigate in that space. So I think that's a great place to, as a college student and as someone that's trying to, you know, constantly activate this growth mindset, it's like you were automatically push into this world. I mean, you say you were doing this from elementary school all the way up. So you kind of already knew how to navigate in spaces where, you know, there was different nationalities. And even to touch more on that, you know, that really goes into like the self-awareness of how you build this self-confidence in yourself. Because a lot of the times, you know, when we go into different spaces, I mean, I won't say we, because I have a rare like form of self-confidence. It's weird. Like, it's really weird. But, you know, when someone walks into a space and you don't know the atmosphere or the people, it gives you this like, you know, type of, oh, wait, I may not say nothing or I want to be quiet. I even see children in schools that when a new substitute comes in, that's a different race than them. They're like, they automatically shrink because they don't feel like they can be connected. So I think that I just heard from what you told me today was about that self-awareness piece that you had to be confident in speaking up about, you know, who you were and allowing people to understand what that, you know, even like you don't need to say that word, you know, like you might not need to talk like this, like, or this is how I am. We talked about you navigating through the hair. This is my hair. Let me explain it to you. Let me not be frustrated, but let me explain to you my culture and why I wear my hair in different type of styles. That is a form of self-confidence because not only are you identifying your current emotions because you're saying these people are pissing me off. Now I need to stress myself because that's a form of self-awareness. But it's also as you're developing these skills and you become more self-confident, you're actually building your identity of who you truly are. And I think that, you know, in a PWI, as a black person, it does give you the responsibility to say, I have to speak up for myself. And now 
since I have to speak up for myself, let me learn more. Because when you speak up for yourself, the one thing you want to do is know your facts, right? So you ain't trying to speak up and don't know your history. So it makes you want to learn more about your identity. And so for me, I feel like it was a whole bunch of black people around us. I mean, it was cool, like, but nobody was trying to read history books of black people because we was all around each other. And I mean, we felt empowered anyway. But it was more so these black people that are on these PWIs that are like, let me know my history. Let me know who I am so I could really speak up and, you know, find my allies in the world or find people that I can talk to about and express myself. So I think that's a really good skill to highlight is that self-awareness and that self-confidence and just, you know, constantly identifying your emotions and how you felt. And then just making these responsible decisions where you probably had to stop and analyze for a second and be like, okay, how can I create a solution when I'm uncomfortable? And situations. And when we talk about responsible decision making, you know, I always tell people this is not just common sense. Responsible decision making is not just, you know, something that we do. It's actually a skill and it takes a process to sit down and say, let me, you know, find out what the problem is and then let me analyze the situation. And when we analyze, we look at the pattern. So you had to collect some data over your experience to say, this person continues to ask me about my hair or this person continues to ask me what type of nationality you're again or are you African? So you felt the responsible, you know, commitment to say my decision now is I'm going to educate. And that is a part of in a form of responsible decision making. And then the last skill I want to highlight that I heard was just relationship skills and, you know, learning how to communicate and team build, because even though you were an introvert, I know that you had to go to class and partner with people and, you know, push yourself outside of the box. And that might have not been hard. And people that look like us, it's easy to build relationships with people that look like us. But when you have to like intentionally build relationships with people that you know nothing about, it takes more work to actually build genuine relationships and actually get to know those people. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's for sure. So did I touch on some of those SEO skills that you feel like you developed? I mean, because you probably didn't know what they were, you know, back in college. But I think these are really critical skills. And, you know, I always used to talk junk, y'all. I'm going to admit it. I used to be like, ah, ah, I'm never going to PW. I'm going to HBCU. This is where I love. This is my people's. But when I listen to your experience, it's truly remarkable. I think that people that have been at a PWI, you know, I mean, not to say they're more resilient than someone that's been at HBCU, but it brings out resilience. It tells you like, I've been through some things and I had to hold myself down, you know, and, you know, that is important when we talk about social emotional learning and how to develop these skills on a college or collegiate level. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think that this also taught me a lot about social emotional skills that I definitely wasn't aware of at the time because still learning about social and emotional learning and how it applies. But I really can better understand how even moving forward, Mm -hmm. because we're still going to be in spaces where you might not identify with someone in the room, but those experiences, even at HBCUs, like being able to engage with people that aren't from where you're from or look exactly like you do. I think that's just something our generation has to work toward not being so stuck on what you look Mm. like on social media or how many followers you have, but like building authentic relationships, no matter where you come from, because you never know who you're in a room with or who you're speaking to. And it's important to just live. I've learned just from my experience in coming up and through going to a PWI, just be yourself first and authentic, and then be open to the people that you engage with, because you never know. People are a product of their experience too. So a lot of times they might not know to do better. If you didn't take that time and say, hey, this is not okay, I'm going to tell you this because I want you to be better. And I expect the same from you. So, yeah. 
That's good. And I bet that I can't say that, but I, I know my age group experience. I was a little wild. It's a little while. We was like having a lot of parties because everybody was just like so happy to be with black folks turning up, you know, and out the house. (laughs) My my household was very, very strict. Yeah, so you're like, I'm free. (laughs) And uh, let me just say, I was down the street from an HBCU. My sister went to Bennett, which is Bennett Bell. My sister did too. So I feel like I didn't get the direct HBCU experience, but but I was an honorary. Got a little sprinkle. You got a little. You got a little. uh, uh, What's it? Cornbread. Little little sides. Little side dish. Okay, but listen. Listen, guys, whatever you choose to go to, whether it's an HPCU or a PWI, it's all about appreciating and being proud of who you are and being open and respectful to other people's experiences as well. This shapes us to become model humans and allows this world to become a better place, you included. So thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode and we'll catch you on the next one. This episode is brought to you by BlackSEL.org. Have you ever wondered what the Black student experience looked like in today's world? Who influences these experiences? And how are Black children truly feeling with the pressures of COVID? Join our Black SEL webinar on the Black student experience. Click the link in the show notes to learn more and register. Seats are limited, so act fast.